May God's word be spoken. May God's word be heard. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A report from the Boston Globe, dated May 17, 1907, tells the story of my great-great-grandfather being shot by the chief of police of Thomaston, Maine. Great-great-grandfather John was shot in the back while running away after being arrested on a warrant for not paying his overdue dog tax. There was no evidence during the incident of violence on the part of this logger, laborer, and father of four. Actually, he was pretty well known in the town as he and his horses were employed by the town in the winter months to clear snow from the streets. The incident is described in this way in the globe. The chief found him while on Main Street on a trolley car and arrested him. The chief told him to go to the judge's office and settle the matter. When the trolley car stopped and the chief saw my great-great-grandfather start away in a different direction other than that of the judge's office and then break into a run, the chief fired a shot in the air. My great-great-grandfather kept running. So the chief took aim and shot him in the back. The chief did not deny the event. Rather, in a report, one of the first witnesses on the scene described a conversation between the chief and my wounded great-great-grandfather, where the chief said, I'm sorry this happened, but you should have stopped when I called you. My great-great-grandfather was shot in the back over unpaid dog tax. I can't help but wonder, because I don't carry cash, mostly because I don't have any, and I would have had to go home and get some cash to pay my dog tax. Was my great-great-grandfather running to his home to get the money in order to go to the judge's office to pay the judge? The news story doesn't say. Family lore never spoke of it, at least while I was young. So I'll never really know. So what happened to these two men? You might be glad to know our family genealogy indicates that great-great-grandfather John recovered and lived another 10 years before dying at 61 of natural causes. He was found dead in the woods where he had gone to cut wood after his team of horses returned home without him. Now the news story does say that probable cause being found the chief was held on a sum of $500. And I quote, with the bonds purposely placed at low figure in order that bail might be obtained. Three weeks ago, the church marked the life of a young seminarian, civil rights leader and martyr, and another man named John, spelled J-O-N, 
Jonathan Myrick Daniels. His feast day was added to our calendar of saints, our great cloud of witnesses in 1994, because John answered the words of the prophet Isaiah. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? By saying, here am I, send me. John began studying at the Episcopal Theological Seminary in Cambridge, Cambridge in the autumn of 1962. Just two side notes. Later, that school would become known as the Episcopal Divinity School, the seminary where our own Bishop Ian Douglas served as professor of mission and world Christianity prior to his ordination as our bishop. And a few years back, the school was commingled with the Union Theological Seminary. The very Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas, author of Stand Your Ground, the book many of us are reading now, is the Dean of Episcopal Divinity School at Union. As a seminarian, John was moved by the television coverage of the brutal March of 1965 incident at the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. While saying the office of evening prayer at St. James Episcopal Church, Keene, New Hampshire, he experienced a moment of clarity and conviction upon hearing the words of the Magnificat. John decided to overcome what to some is a stumbling block and leave his life of privilege in Keene to join the civil rights movement with Dr. King in Selma. Like Moses, John said, here I am. Even in the story of the call of Samuel, after being called by the Lord from his sleep and thinking the voice was that of Eli, Samuel says, here I am. After Eli sends him back to sleep, telling him to listen for the Lord, Samuel says, speak for your servant is listening. Like Samuel, John was awakened and opened to the Lord communicating with him. At one point during his time in Selma, John experienced the revelation that those who were persecuting black and brown bodies, as well as those who lived in community and solidarity with them, were, they themselves, not free. He came to understand a certain freedom in the cross and a life with Jesus. John took up that cross and chose the way of love. Today, Paul's letter to the church in Rome says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. John came to understand that he was free to love his enemies and to try and free them from the bondage of their stumbling blocks, evil, hate, and fear. He would go on to live and speak the truth and work for the right to vote for persons of color. That is until August 20th, 
1965, when at the age of 25, John and a few others attempted to enter a segregated country store to purchase cold drinks. John and fellow, fellow civil rights workers, a fellow civil rights worker, a priest actually, were shot by an off-duty special deputy in Hainville, Alabama, as John attempted to protect Ruby Sales, a 17-year-old SNCC worker, by pushing her out of the way. The shooter said in an interview afterward that he would change nothing about that fateful day. That fateful day. John Daniels was shot over the right for black teens to buy soda. So what happened to these two men? John Daniels was murdered that day in the streets of Hainville, Alabama. His body was respectfully escorted back to Keene, New Hampshire by leaders of the civil rights movement, among them Stokely Carmichael who wanted John's grieving mother to understand their immense gratitude for his efforts to stand with them in the face of hate. The shooter was charged with first-degree manslaughter. The district attorney who protested a charge less than murder was removed from the case. Four days, 40 days later, the shooter was acquitted by an all-white male jury. He lived to an old age. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said of Jonathan Myrick Daniels, the meaning of his life was so faithful, fulfilled in his death, that few people in our time will know such fulfillment or meaning, though they live to be a hundred. And civil rights icon and social justice seeker, U.S. Congressman John Lewis once said of John that he must be looked upon as one of the martyrs who shed his blood and gave his life to redeem not just the soul of Alabama, but the soul of a nation. Well, Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. I am counting on this. Jesus goes on to say, for the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. What I hear there is Jesus telling them that those things would occur in their lifetime. Amid multiple pandemics, COVID-19, continued racial bias, inequality, and injustice, weather and other earthly calamities across the globe, we are called by God to stand on whatever holy ground we're on, where I am, where you are, where all of us are. And to do the work, the often uncomfortable work 
of choosing the way of love. I am counting on the fact that what Jesus promised to his disciples holds true for us. We have a chance to take up our crosses and follow Jesus in our time. We have the chance to choose the way of love. The first step is to listen and look for God. The second step, like Moses, Samuel, and John, is to say, here I am. Amen.